welcome to another episode of That's So Random, a random movie podcast. I'm Heath Lambert. Now, if you had asked me 20 episodes ago when I first started this show, and you gave me 100 guesses, who will be the first returning lead actress in a movie that you cover? In other words, an actress who appeared in a movie, and then some episodes later you get another movie, and oh, there she is again. 100 guesses, gun to my head. I would not have picked Crystal Bernard, but here we are. She's back, much younger, much less Christian. And if she's back, well, why not have back Piper Van Steenwick? Hello, ma'am. Hello. And I'm very excited about this. I wasn't expecting to love this so much. Oh, you did? I did, in a weird way, and we'll talk about that. Sure. Our film tonight is Slumber Party Massacre 2 from 1987. Now, I've seen the, I'd seen, I had never seen this. I'd seen the first one actually not too long ago. Um, but Slumber Party Massacre 2 is definitely one of those video store VHS boxes that I would stare at as a kid. You know, you sneak away from your parents and go over to the R-rated, the horror movie section and look, ooh, at the stuff you'd love to be able to watch. There's this guy with a guitar with a drill on it, <laughs> co-eds and laundry lying at his feet. I'm like, I don't know what this is, but it looks amazing. <laughs> now I've finally seen it. I don't know about amazing, but. <laughs> yeah, no, the movie itself, and I haven't seen the first one, so I was jumping in. And well, trying to grasp it. Here's the thing. They are wildly different movies. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the first one is a very straight-laced... slasher movie. Bunch of girls at a slumber party. A guy with a, like, industrial drill comes and starts killing people. He's a... But this, that killer, who's not the killer from this movie is just like a silent wild-eyed but he's just a dude he doesn't talk he has no motive whatsoever for what he's doing other than he's just crazy he dies at the end of that movie now the two the final girls the survivors of that movie are the one are val and her younger sister courtney so that's the continuation part that's the sequel part is the Chris the Crystal Bernard plays a slightly grown up I guess by three or four years version of the sort of junior high age girl from the first movie um, the older sister who also survived the first movie is apparently in an institution we learn in this movie but this movie is silly as shit <laughs> And it has, I mean, I don't, I don't know who this movie is for. Because I would think if you were a huge fan of the first one, you would look at this one as like almost a parody of the first one. Like it's so different and so wacky and crazy. I just, I only had a page of notes on this because. There's not much else to say besides that. Plot lines. But there's lots of crazy things 
mixed in there. Um, would it shock you to learn that this movie was written and directed by a woman? <laughs> it would shock me. As, as was the first film, a different woman. The first, the first Lumber Party Massacre was written and directed by two different women. Um, and the first one is much more sort of gratuitous nudity and um, very male gazy. I mean, this one is a bit, but that one really was. So it's strange that, and that was like 1983 or something. Yep, I I think so. Yeah, this one just had one stray pillow fight scene where the the one girl took her bra off way too soon. Like they were just drunk way too soon. Yeah, I I'm old enough to know that uh, that movies and television have lied to me for a majority of my life, and that naked pillow fights between lady friends aren't necessarily the soup du jour <laughs> maybe you can attest to i mean <laughs> no i can't get in a lot of topless pillow fights with your friends not in my experience yeah she yeah we'll go for, um, we'll get to that <laughs> um all right so the, the movie opens with a real soft focused chad dream with courtney <laughs> dream like it's sort of lovingly moving along her as she's sleeping this is uh Crystal Bernard, um, dreaming about this blonde Kendall bohunk dude. Catching the football, looking perfect the whole time. Yeah. And then her, her sweet dreams about this boy she likes start getting interrupted by, and these are actually, these are flashbacks to, and this is actual footage, actual scenes from the first movie. Um, which again have very little to do with this movie but um yeah this is Courtney she's the little sister that survived in the original um we meet well it's time to go to I guess not school they seem like school age high school age but it must be summertime so yeah senior year I think they were talking about um she goes for a ride with sort of her best friend, Amy, and they're singing in the car. I thought that scene was so cute. <laughs> it's very, I don't, I, I don't know if that's a real song or not. The Tokyo Convertible, well, I doubt it. I have to imagine it was made up just for this. I wish it was real. <laughs> Spotify immediately. Um, yeah, they're driving, and Matt, the Chad from her dreams, pulls up next to him, and he's trying to talk to him, and Amy's like, hey, my, our other friend said that he thinks you're cute, so you should talk to him. She's a little shy and a little, you know, <clears throat> but they tell him that they are on their way to band practice. They have a four-member girl rock band, um, the two of them, and then... Sheila and Sally, who is the drummer. We get to see them practice a bit. Not terrible. No. I mean, not great, <laughs> but... They weren't rocking the house by any means. 
No, and pro- other than the drummer, probably not actually playing their instruments whatsoever. <laughs> Possibly not singing either. But they seem like they would be the best band you could hope to see at Max's on Saved by the Bell. Like, if you went to lunch at Max's, like, oh, a band is playing. Oh, thank God it's this band and not, you know, <laughs> one of the other bands at Max's. Yeah. We don't get a name for this band, I guess. <clears throat> so, Sheila's dad, Sheila's the main singer. Um, her dad just bought a Kulu condo. They haven't even finished moving in yet. But before he moves in, um, he's going to take the girls up there for the weekend. Because it's going to be Courtney's birthday. Um, and just have a hangout girls time slumber party time in this abandoned nice new condo before her dad moves in so that's sort of the setup we have she invites matt to come and stop by um and we're back at home with courtney mom wants to go and visit val in the institution and courtney kind of loses it a little bit drops a plate and starts crying because it's like it's my birthday and I want to go with my friends. I don't want to, like, I love my older sister, but I don't want to spend my birthday in the nuthatch with my lunatic sister, you know? Like, we go we go visit her all the time. I don't want to do that anymore. <laughs> Which is fair, I feel. Reasonable. <laughs> you know? Enough's enough. Blame her. She doesn't even, she hardly even, like, recognizes them when they visit. She's just she's completely sort of gone and not, you know, mentally there anymore. Um, Courtney's asleep, but Courtney's asleep a lot in this movie. There's a lot of, and that's, it makes what, what's real in this movie and what isn't is very difficult to determine because so much of it is dream sequences and just in Courtney's head until suddenly it isn't, but then maybe it is again. So it's, it's a hard to parse. Um, but also in these dreams, not only she, she, she's dreaming about Matt still, and she's dreaming about the her girlfriends, and still having sort of flashbacks of the first movie a little bit, but she's also now seeing the future. Like she's seeing scenes that happen later in this movie of this new driller killer who we don't see much of just in these dreams we just sort of see his feet in a very leather bound um leather pants and leather boots and doing the weird hop doing a weird hop dance and we think okay but that's just her crazy dreams surely that's not what this man is actually like (laughs) you'd be wrong <clears throat> weirdest dude no he was he's something I didn't know what to think <laughs> well especially I just I wanted to laugh it's laughable and especially seeing as you had not have not seen the first movie was your assumption that oh this is the same guy from the first movie back again this crazy weirdo <laughs> but I knew it wasn't because her mom explicitly says 
or, or Matt says, oh, when you and your sister had to kill the murderer. So I knew the murderer from the first movie was dead. Yet they never explain where this guy comes from and why he has a weird fascination with Courtney. Yeah, he seems to know her pretty well and is like obsessed with her specifically. So I don't know if the idea is, especially since now she's also like seeing the future a little bit, like is the, are we to assume that she somehow has weird psychic powers? to not only see the future, but she sort of manifested this man into being based on her nightmares and stuff. They don't say that in the movie. No, you never the, get... kind of the only explanation possible because this is definitely a magical being. This, this killer killer is a supernatural type just from the way that he appears and disappears and can make music appear in the air and <laughs> all sorts of things. So I don't know, maybe that's what they were going for. They could have explained that rather than just me making it up. But um, <clears throat> So we find out only, of the four friends, only Amy knows the truth about um, Courtney's older sister, Val, that he's locked up in, in, uh, locked up in an institution. Because on their car ride up to the condo, the other girls are like, oh, where's your sister going to college? And she has to, like, make up a lie. And Amy kind of looks at her like, fine. So she hasn't let the other two in on that whole situation. So I would think, unless they've moved, which they don't say, but unless they've moved recently, I would imagine everyone in town knows the story. They had to have moved. They had to have moved far away to a new town. Yeah, I, I guess I didn't think too much into it, but I guess I thought about it in the same way of when you'd send somebody away for being pregnant, and then all of a sudden they'd come back, and you'd say, oh, I just went to stay in Washington for nine months. Yeah, but I would think that if it's only three, four, at most five years later, it would still be the talk of the town of like, holy shit, you remember that night that guy with a drill killed like 12 people <laughs> for no reason? <laughs> and those two girls lived? One of them still lives here. Like, everyone would know that. So, uh-huh. I can imagine they moved. Because the first one feels very, I guess I don't know where it was set, but it feels very sort of Midwestern, and this is definitely like a California type of deal. So, that that's my guess. Is that they have quietly moved away. <clears throat> so they get to the condo. A lot of stuff still isn't unpacked. Not all the furniture is there. They're scoping the house out, checking out the rooms, deciding who's going to go to where. Sheila's brother has left a blow-up doll in his bed, which they find hilariously funny and not as gross as they should. <laughs> and they touch it a lot. They touch it a lot. It winds up becoming a pool toy at their pool party, which, all right. Um, there's a lot of girl time hanging out they're having sort of a snack and they break into the champagne they've got like a champagne bottle each and they're having snacks and I noticed and I'm old I thought that in my head kettle chips with like that same logo is something that came out in the last 15 or 20 years did the kettle chips have the same logo? 
Yeah, it's it looked like a bag of kettle chips you could go buy at the store right now. Mm-hmm. In their pile of snacks, and this was 1987, and I had no idea that that even existed. Maybe it was strictly like a California thing back then, but I don't remember seeing kettle kettle chip brand kettle chips past yeah the last 20 years tops. So that caught my eye immediately, <laughs> which. I don't know, maybe it says something about the movie that I was that fixated on a bag of kettle chips instead of what else was going on. <clears throat> but, uh, yeah. Um, then we have our semi-topless pillow fight. Sheila's the only one topless. Everyone else, oh, I guess, um, was it the long girl's in her bra. Sally's in, like, her bra. But it is, it's in theory precipitated by her spilling champagne on herself but i mean come on and the met the feather mess right. they make from this pillow fight is unconscionable because who's going to clean <laughs> your, clean this up before your dad shows up on monday to move in like they just and now the food is filled with feathers yeah they destroy two to three pillows <laughs> easily to be throwing feathers around like this but they're having a real good time. I suppose. I guess. They're being watched from outside by TJ and Jeff. Who, I TJ is sort of Sheila's boyfriend. Jeff is kind of, appears to just be a tag along. Um, they're trying to find their way in the house. They eventually do and sort of scare the girls. TJ is, from top to bottom, from the first second he's on screen until the moment he dies, an enormous douchebag. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but I'm sure <laughs> him, I guess. But, um, yeah, so now the boys have arrived. Sally and Courtney are sharing a bed. So I don't know how many rooms this, well, maybe there's just aren't beds set up, but yeah, Courtney and Sally are platonically, I should add, <laughs> sharing a bed. Well, yeah. Courtney is Courtney can't sleep because in the room next door, on the other side of the thin wall, <laughs> Sheila and TJ are going at it, and they're being very loud. Doesn't seem to bother uh, Sally, so she must be used to it. Um, but yeah, Courtney can't sleep over the noise they're making. Then the next day, they're out by the pool. TJ just about drowns Courtney. He's getting real touchy with her and, you know, like, ha-ha, funny times, like, grabbing her and stuff. But it's it's not fun or funny. It's like, you know, it's shitty and winds up pushing And everybody is... No, but... Yeah, everybody's pissed off about it and he doesn't stop. Yeah, but not pissed off enough to tell him to leave. Or like, yeah, no. Hey, you're my boyfriend. Why Actually are you... disappointed anyway. Yeah, why are you groping on my best friend? <laughs> like, it's just like, oh, TJ, stop it. You're the, you know, but it's not real yeah. <laughs> punishment or anything. But he winds up pushing Courtney in the pool, and she just about drowns, and they have to jump in and pull her out. While she's underwater, she has more visions of this killer under the water. 
she really starts her visions really start going into overload overload because now they're sitting and eating and she has a hamburger <laughs> like she goes to bite we can clearly see it for a good 10 seconds before she does so it adds to this weird magical realism as such that this movie has so she goes to take a bite out of this sandwich or burger and there's just a there's a bloody hand in it and she freaks out and throws it everybody else looks and it's a burger patty or chicken or whatever just flooded in ketchup yeah that's just covered in ketchup so she's seeing things and at this point we don't know and again because the killer has not actually arrived and will not arrive until i wrote this down 52 minutes into an hour and 15 long minute movie <laughs> um we don't know if she's just crazy we don't know what this movie is because it's so different from the first one. um her food issues continue she goes in the house she wants to get a chicken out of the fridge and she is attacked by a puppet rotisserie chicken <clears throat> well it's like a raw chicken but it's like it's got no head and it's like <laughs> she's holding this against herself like oh it's attacking me <laughs> it's very strange and very silly and no matter what crazy thing happens she always runs and gets her friends like she thinks it's completely real yes and they always come in and to their credit they're never like why are you so crazy <laughs> like, yeah, they try to work with her yeah they're always like it's all right like you know you must just be really tired or you must be hung over from the champagne or there's always some excuse they have <clears throat> They never really get on her case. Well, that's what TJ does, but TJ's an idiot. But the girls are never like, God, you're ruining our weekend. Will you just stop being such a lunatic? They're very supportive of her mm -hmm. delusions. <clears throat> she, uh, so they tell her, well, go take a bath. It'll calm you down. Bad idea, because the bathtub starts filling up with blood. And she has to run out of the bathroom and close the door and then blood is pouring out from under the door so she runs against the girls and they run upstairs and look and of course she just left the water running there's no blood or anything but sally specifically that she gets <clears throat> so it's it's basically it's a scene so far the structure of the film is her having some sort of delusion or seeing things and then just a normal scene of like them sitting around not doing you know really doing anything just chit-chatting and then her having another delusion like that's it's every couple minutes or maybe 45 seconds even she's seeing some new crazy thing and this is no different because now sally's in the bathroom with her trying to calm her down from her blood tub delusion Sally's been talking about how she has this, she's worried because she has this zit coming in. And she's got to get some Oxy-10. She has Oxy-10 little dots on her face. <clears throat> and then Courtney looks at her and she has an enormous, like her face is like mutated on the side and like an enormous zit <clears throat> on her face. That's super gross and crazy. It's getting worse. Yeah, and every time we cut back to her, it's worse and worse, and her face is, like, melting on the side, and then this zit explodes all over Courtney. 
kid, you're wondering what what is this movie? Because I swear there was a guy with a drill. <laughs> like, well, I don't know what's there's exploding zits and chickens and burgers, and I don't understand what's happening right now. <clears throat> so she flees the bathroom, flees <clears throat> the bathroom from Matt, and runs downstairs. Matt arrives just in time to catch her running down the stairs. So he's just walked into some shit. Like he thought he was coming, hang out with a girl he likes and her girlfriends. At, at condo with no parents it's going to be a good weekend and the first sight he sees of her is her in hysterics running down the stairs saying that her friend is in the bathroom dead now, I don't know where she got dead from because this zit exploded and she ran away I guess <laughs> her friend certainly looked not good no so they go up and check Sally is not not dead but sally is missing so something actually is happening now perhaps so they rally the troops she tells everyone that sally's missing nobody can find her um the one friend is like she probably just ran to the store don't worry about it but then more time passes and she still isn't there um the trash compactor starts making noise like a weird grinding noise which Courtney immediately interprets, even though we see no evidence of this, immediately decides that that is because Sally is in the trash compactor somehow, and it's chewing her up and she faints. <clears throat> so it's, and this is all happening real boom, 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 real, like real fast. Yeah, they're reaching a little, just a little. And even at a merciful hour and 15 minutes, there are still times this movie feels long like a lot of this like could have been left out maybe so they call the cops the cops show up they're immediately not terribly concerned or helpful and it really doesn't help that Sally then walks in because, yeah, she just went to the store and she's like, what happened? Am I in trouble? Like, why are the cops here? So Sally's not really missing. Sally is fine. <clears throat> At which point the cop is like, well, there's two cops. The one, the main cop is like, uh, you mess with me again or waste my time again and I'll rip your th- lungs out. Like, like right. you can't say that to a teenage girl. <clears throat> or, or, hey, cop, maybe don't say that to anyone right (laughs) violent threat you're not uh you're not dispelling uh, our acab ideas with that (laughs) that's a crazy way to talk but then i do like the other cop as he says come on kruger denny's is holding our booth (laughs) That's (laughs) that's his like one line in the movie it's like Let's just leave these kids and go and go eat at Denny. But the idea that Denny's is holding our booth, that there's like, that they called ahead. <laughs> hey, Denny's, we're on our way. Get the Grand Slam breakfast ready. They needed a reservation. Or it's just that they're, there's just a table that's just earmarked for them at all times. For any day, anytime, 24-7 that they show up, that's their booth. 
night falls once again. It feels like it's like the fourth time it's been night on this weekend, but probably only the second, I suppose. Um, Matt, sweet, beautiful Chad that he is, appears in Courtney's room with a birthday cake. None of her other friends seem to have seemed to have forgotten him to her birthday. <laughs> um, but he's, yeah, he doesn't seem per- perturbed or disturbed by the fact that she's having some sort of complete mental breakdown. Um, he's just, he's, he's a nice boy. He's a sweetheart. He brings her a birthday cake. He's trying to like, you know, tell her everything's cool. He really seems kind. <clears throat> so they start making out and they've been in her sort of visions and dreams throughout the thing her sister Val had been warning her like don't go all the way don't go all the way and we've also seen the new rockabilly driller killer saying go all the way which of course is a reference because of the teen slasher movie to having sex yes um, they start making out and immediately Matt is killed. <laughs> There's no sex. Like, they're just... They've started kissing. Their claws are all still on. And then a drill comes through Matt's back and out of his chest. And goodbye, Matt, from this movie. And they don't explain it. It's a montage, but they don't have him becoming real. They don't have him coming into the room. He's like, I'm real. Waving an arm around, and that's your proof. Yeah, he's just suddenly appeared apparently laying on the floor between the bed and the wall is really the only place he could have been and drills through Matt and kills him and then yeah Matt's arm is off somehow he drilled his arm off apparently waving Matt's arm around so now he's here we have reason and evidence throughout the movie to believe that oh this is just more like she's gonna come back in a minute and Matt will be fine because she's done this eight times already in the movie. She's seen her friends die or something. Yeah. Um, no, it's real this time. Because she runs downstairs, she's got blood on her, and her friends immediately stop playing their instruments and look at her like, oh my God, what's happening? And then the driller killer comes downstairs and they can see him. And they all run away, except Sally, who they abandon completely. Because <laughs> she's like stuck behind the drum kit. So she like can't finagle her way out fast enough and they're all out the door and gone and she's left stuck in the room straight through the phone yeah she's yeah and this is again this is the 52 minute mark there's been 52 minutes of this nonsense before <laughs> the killing actually begins he shows up well yeah he, he, dr- he drills TJ in the leg which is too low for my taste but so TJ is Holly TJ and Sheila have to sort of hobble-hop away in one direction. Um, Jeff, Courtney, and Amy run into, I think it's the kitchen, and try to use the phone to call the cops. Sally, driller killer, backs Sally up against the part of the wall that the phone is on the other side of and drills through her and the phone, which is pretty cool. (laughs) He has style. And none of this is terribly gore. Like, we don't... See, other than probably 
the drill coming through matte. It's mostly just kind of people just kind of get slashes on them or like they have like drill holes after the fact, but we're not seeing a ton of blood flying around and gore. It's pretty not subdued. Pretty subdued and not gory for this kind of movie at this kind of time. <clears throat> so <clears throat> Jeff and Courtney and Amy jump in the car. Well, there's a lot of we'll speed through it, but there's a lot of killing time with them. They run outside and they're hiding and they're like, oh shit, we left the car keys so they have to go back in the house. And then where they see Sally's body, so then they get the car keys, they make a run for it. Get in the car, start driving away. Of course, the driller killer's in the back seat. He's just automatically everywhere, which adds to the supernatural theory. Yeah, which is like in so in one respect he's very stealthy and then he seems to be able to like poof pop up. And other times not stealthy at all because he's constantly singing or shouting song lyrics at you or doing a little boogie. So he's <laughs> he's real picky and choosy about how sneaky he wants to be. But yeah, he gets Jeff from the back seat. The girls jump out and run away. So now both well, all, well, I guess TJ's still alive momentarily, but the guys are mostly dead. These girls are going to have to fend for themselves. TJ's next to go, in fact. Uh, TJ and Sheila are banging on a neighbor's door trying to get them to come. And they see the driller killer from a ways off. He's, like, way down at the end of the driveway. And they're just way, like, and they're screaming as he's getting closer and closer and closer instead of running away. They're trying to bang on this door, and the guy won't open. So they get kind of trapped up against the garage door. TJ gets it. Nothing of value was lost. Um, Sheila runs away. Then the neighbor comes out and is like, what's going on out here? No, no one's here except the door. Um, so Courtney, <laughs> Courtney and Amy have run back to the house now, back to the scene of the crime, where at least one of their friends is lying dead. Um, I don't know why they didn't run, try a different neighbor, or just run until you can't run anymore. I don't know. Like It seems like going back to the house is not the best plan, maybe. No. But they want to use the other phones. They go upstairs, they barricade themselves in the bedroom. She's going to use the other phone to call the cops. And they don't believe her. They're like, hey, we were just out there today. You're full of shit. We're trying to eat at Denny's or whatever. We got a moons over my hammy here with my name on it. It's hot. Back when 911 could hang up on you. Yeah. And they're like, don't call us again. Click. So they're really on their own. No help is coming. <clears throat> um... Sheila also runs back to the house, runs upstairs, and she's outside banging on the door. And the girls are sort of, or the bedroom door, I mean, the girls are kind of sort of attempting to move this dresser out of the way to let Sheila in. But not really. <laughs> it seems like they're kind of letting her... Hang, hanging her out to dry there. <clears throat> yeah, because, like, they moved it in front of the door no problem. <laughs> They're having a real hard time getting it back 
away from the door. So I feel like maybe they weren't trying real hard. And the thing that got me was how they completely moved the dresser out of the way and then immediately heard the killer coming. They heard him laughing and moved it back super fast when they could have just opened the door for her super quick when he was taking years sing and dance down the hallway. Yeah, they could have saved, at least momentarily saved her and they real really gave up on it <laughs> quickly. Which, I mean, hey, uh, self-preservation, I, I get it. And she had time to get up and run a little more. Yeah, she, she got like a cut. When TJ got killed, she got like a cut. Or like a drill groove on her, but she's not that wounded. No. He was running around with an entire hole in his leg. Yeah. So, it's at this point that the driller killer, who is downstairs... Who I don't know if we have adequately described. He has like an Elvis hairdo, black leather pants, black leather boots, black leather jacket. With the fringes. With crazy fringes all over it, hanging off of it. So it's not even like a cool like biker leather jacket. It's like some shit you'd see at like a country western bar. And he's got this big red crazy guitar with a drill on it. It's at this point that he breaks the fourth wall. And any notion you had about what it, what this movie is, what's real and what isn't, just chuck it all out the window. Because he looks dead at the camera. And say, I don't remember what he says, but he says, you know, he always, he's always spouting stuff like, oh, it's time to rock and roll. or Ooh, like, But he looks dead at the camera and says something. And then music kicks in. And he has like a 45-second, like, dance number it's like a full song that he's dancing around the living room singing with their microphone playing like while the girls are upstairs <laughs> at time to get away or save sheila because he's downstairs putting on an entire routine and for the benefit of no one except himself and i guess us the viewer because he's talking and looking directly at us it's so bizarre so out of, even in this movie, it feels out of place. And it's certainly compared to the first movie is like a whole other planet. So I don't, I, I don't know what they were trying to do with this movie. <laughs> yeah, they kind of just put the, they put the title on it, but it's, yeah, not the same. Um, yeah, so he finally gets done with his song and dance routine goes upstairs kills kills Sheila because they have abandoned completely abandoned trying to let her into this room Courtney and Amy escape out a window and out onto the roof and they're running across the roof and now he is he's at like a higher point of the roof like taunting them and yelling at them um, so again he can kind of come and go very almost magically um they get down off the roof they run some they come to not a construction site but like a house that's under another condo that's under construction where not all the walls are up and there's lots of just bare boards and stuff um <clears throat> amy winds up slipping somehow and falling in the chase um 
Well, Courtney's trying to help her up, but Gorilla Killer's sort of coming at them, so she can't focus on pulling her up. Amy falls to her death. And then we're just left with Courtney and the Driller Killer, who's really not considering his his goal has been reached. He's got he's killed everyone else. The girl he's apparently been after the whole time for whatever reason. He's kind of just hanging out like ten feet away from her, looking at her like, "Hey," <laughs> like spouting more of his rock and roll cliches at her. Not like he has an opportunity to get. It's more. It's the cat and mouse. It's it's all about the chase for this guy. Or something. Yeah. He just cares about getting her alone. I guess. Yeah. So they get up to sort of the highest point of this house under construction. There's a blowtorch there that she grabs and lights him up. And he doesn't seem to care. He's kind of like, she's pointing it at him. She's threatening him with it. And he's like, well, he says, come on, baby, light my fire. And... But he doesn't like try to dodge it or and he just lets her she lights him up and he starts screaming and it's a pretty cool stunt of a flaming guy flying off the side of his roof um and that's <laughs> that's kind of it like it's she lit him up she's kind of laughing maniacally while she does it then we have dream fake out one where because again, even at this point, the movie can't decide what's real and what isn't, and what we're supposed to believe. So that by the end, I don't know if any of it happened, or if none of it happened, or what. Yes, my last notes on the page was, it was a dream? Question mark? No? What? <laughs> what? So, yeah, so, she's down off the roof, the driller killer's dead, um, the, ambul- the paramedics are there and they're taking Amy's body away on a gurney and she pulls the sheet away to look at her and then Amy opens her eyes and starts cackling in the voice of the driller killer and Courtney wakes up and she's in bed with Matt and you're like oh shit the whole thing was a dream um, and starts making out with Matt who becomes the driller killer and so now she's making out with him and now she wakes up again so it was a dream inside of a dream inside of a dream and now she's she is in an institution. Yes, so I was left thinking, was she the sister in the institution the entire time? Or was all of this real and now she's in an institution also? Yeah, because there's two options. Either because she seems pretty okay after killing the driller killer and seeing Amy's body start laughing. But then again, but that was a dream too, so we don't know at what point reality stopped. Did she even kill him on the and set him on fire? Like none of it none of it matters because none of it's potentially real or not real. <laughs> so yeah, it's either that she killed the driller killer a second time, a different one, and was the last one alive it broke her and now she's in an institution or she's been in an institution with her sister or just like her sister since the end of the first movie and this entire second movie is a dream or hallucination which yeah which I guess would make it make more sense because all of it all of it didn't seem real 
yeah, it kind of, it almost has to be that one because uh, like why her brain would manifest it as this rock and roll guy instead of the guy that it was in the first movie. Why it's so silly and over the top. Yeah, absolutely no context. But yeah, it would, if the entire movie is her dream while institutionalized, that is kind of the only explanation for all of the crazy stuff that's in the movie. So, I, I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> I if you If you don't think that I looked very hard on Twitter to see if Crystal Bernard were on social media for me to contact and just ask, because what's the worst that could happen? She's going to tell me to fuck off? That's fine. If I had found Crystal Bernard, I would have asked her if she wanted to come and be on the show with us. And we could have asked her, she might not even remember, it was so long ago, but we could have asked her some questions about not only this, but Welcome to Paradise. That would be, that would be a really cool thing. If you couldn't find her. The only account I found seemed to be a fan masquerading as her, and not really her probably, so I didn't bother with that. But, oh well. But she, yeah, she's our she's becoming the the patron saint of the podcast now with the second her second appearance. Good both times. Yeah, I'm glad to see it. I thought she was excellent in the movie. Yeah, she's not I that just... different. definitely younger, definitely fresher and greener, but still probably a better actor than anybody else in the movie. For sure. Still cute very I mean very 80s hair and fashion and all um so I feel like well which is the better Crystal Bernard movie for you because I'm gonna say Welcome to Paradise weirdly enough (laughs) yeah that one was just a better movie overall which I don't I don't love saying because I don't (laughs) you know I'm definitely a horror movie guy more than I'm a Christian movie guy but this is not this is a bad example of a horror movie, and that was a good example of a Christian movie, so it wounds up, I feel like Welcome to Paradise is the better Crystal Bernard movie. Yeah, I mean, I guess she chose the right career turn. Well, and in between there was Wings and whatnot, but... Yeah. God bless Crystal Bernard, wherever you are. What Now, what are the statistical chances that she makes a third appearance on this show? <laughs> When I'm choosing movies at random, it's weird enough that I got her twice. What's the chances that she pops up again? I hope to see it. When she does, you'll be the first person I call. Good. Hopefully, but I'll have. But I'm not. We'll have to have you on again, Crystal Bernard or no Crystal Bernard, because that could be a long wait. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Um. Time to. Speaking of random movies, press the magic button and find out what the movie for next week is. It is Night of the Living Dead Resurrection from 2017? No, 2012. Night of the Living Dead Resurrection, it is on Tubi, which is not a good sign. The best movie we've watched on the show was on Tubi, so you never know. Mm-hmm. So that's the movie for next week. 
Thank you for being here again. Thank you for having me. And sharing our love of Crystal Bernard. <laughs> so strange. A newfound love. But, um, yeah, where can people find you on Well, on Instagram. Instagram. My Instagram is Piper getting my van Steenwick. And Twitter, I believe, is Piper get in my van. I believe so. Pretty simple. All right. I think that'll do it for this week. Can't wait to see you again sometime. Absolutely. Have a swell night. Yeah. Bye, everybody. Goodbye.